Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. On today's episode, I talk about reading the wind with pro staffer at Next Buck Outdoors, homemade DIY scent cover tips, and uh, deer hunter shooting at dead deer. Hunt, 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 Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is October 14th, 2015. This is episode 24. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and welcome back to another uh, informative episode. On this episode, I brought on a uh, guest. It's Sean uh, Sean Van Landingham. Uh, he's a pro staffer at Next Buck Outdoors. They are um, very passionate, highly skilled, and experienced hunters that like to bring um, their, their niches. They bring a lot of value to their DVDs that they release. Um very educational and informative. So through through this interview, I talked with Sean a lot about reading the wind, uh, knowing when and where you should access land based on where, uh, you know, big bucks could be bedded down, things like that. And uh, we also get into thermos a little bit as well. A lot of good information. I will go ahead and, and uh, bring him on the show right now. We're going to go ahead and welcome our guests of the week to the show. We have Sean Van Landingham a pro staffer at Next Buck Outdoors. Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here. All right. How long have you been um how long have you been a pro staffer at Next Buck? You know, boy, you know, I haven't really kept track of the years, but um, you know, I've been friends with the guys that have that have run it oh, probably the better part of ten plus years now. So um gosh, it's probably maybe like 2000, maybe 2009 that I started with that, and before that, I was affiliated with uh, another production TV show and stuff that I did some work for, but, um, you know, this is definitely more my style, it's do-it-yourself, um, you know, hunting the, the neighbor or family property, um, not, not this big managed track and stuff, or, you know, like a lot of guys do, hunting the public land. That's awesome. Um, which is what we're all about here at where to hunt. <laughs> so that's yeah, pretty cool. Exactly. That's what drew me to, to seek you guys out. Um, tell me in the audience, for those that don't know a little bit about next buck, what does make you guys different than other people making, um, hunting shows and DVDs and things like that? Sure. Um, well, you know, a lot either, you know, the average guy, but the average guy doesn't have a 2000 acre farm. Um, that they can pretty much control. Um, you know, some of us have our own properties. I have my own farm, but you know, my farm is 56 acres. Tunnable. Um, you know, we hunt a lot of public stuff, you know, probably at least half of us probably spend half of our time on public land. Uh, we'll travel out of state. If we have to find a good spot on one of the state hunts, they're, they're not, 
and not going to something that's almost an outfitter or you know, some big sponsor something it sounds like person is going to go out and do you broke up there just a little bit sorry about that oh sure can you hear me okay again yeah you're good now go, go ahead okay. from where you were sorry all right sure um so yeah, we just we just try to. I mean, we are your average guy. We all have our regular jobs. Some of us have multiple jobs, but you know, we all have this big passion to to hunt whitetails, and we want to do it on our own. And you know, what we really want to do is we're not all about getting you know Hollywood style footage. While that's great, you know, we want to really teach people. We're telling people how we're doing it, not that. You know, we know everything, but if we can tell you how we're successful year in and year out, um, you know, I think we got a lot of good things that are in our collective knowledge. Not that any one person knows everything, but our group of guys, I think, is uh, pretty top notch when it comes to getting after the whitetails. That's cool. No, I, I like I like your guys' approach and style quite a bit. Um, so we'll break off from that. Tell us about yourself. What is? Uh, how long have you been hunting for? Sure. Well. <laughs> It's going to date me a little bit, but uh, I've been hunting for, I think, 28 years. But it it seems like even longer because I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, when I was young, we didn't have these early youth hunt programs, so I had to wait a couple extra years. So I think think even when I was probably, you know, six, seven years old, as soon as I can get out of the house, you know, I was trying to find a deer trail, find a deer track, see where it went, see where it laid down. you know, I'd be asking my neighbors what they see for deer, you know, how big it was and uh, where were they going. So even even before I had a bow in my hand, I felt like, you know, I had some degree where I was you know, hunting a little bit and, you know, I'd be waiting for, you know, my dad to come back or anyone else I knew that was older out hunting. You know, I wanted to hear the stories. You know, I would, I would sit and pester to hear them over and over. So, you know, I'd just try to absorb back then everything I could, and it just translated to, you know, what I do now. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of guys have their, their passions in life, and but mine has kind of always been whitetails. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. <laughs> Which yeah. Is, I don't know. It's it's a very hard thing to explain. It's almost like it's in your bones, and I've said that before, but I don't know any other way to describe it, you know. <clears throat> a lot of heritage, too, and tradition, things like that. So obviously, yeah, exactly. white whitetail is your favorite animal to hunt. That's one of the questions I had on here. Um, yeah, yeah, it's you know I've I've only gotten to dabble a little bit in the elk hunting. I uh, did earlier this year, and it wasn't enough where I could say, yeah, elk is now my now the thing. But um, you know, I'll definitely keep after it. But you know, no matter what, I think even any other serious hunter, if they come back to one game animal, it's it's probably the whitetail. It's just it's so easy for us to re- relate to. They're they're everywhere, um, you know, and they're just there's your unique things about them that just make them make them fun. And they're not all the same to hunt, you know, on every single property. There's there's differences no matter where you go. Yeah, that's very true. Like Kansas, for instance, I think it's very wide open there, so you're not gonna have a, a hardwoods, and then you have the, the swamp type hunting, and there's all sorts of different ways to try to get them because they're all over, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Well, the reason I, I sought you out, um, in addition to the fact that you guys hunt a lot of public, is um, I'm definitely not an expert in any regard, and I love learning about hunting in any any capacity I possibly can. And one of the things that kind of tripped my trigger um, over a lot of the seasons, but this season especially because I want to get better at it every time, is uh, reading the wind. And it seems like a pretty straightforward thing, really, but then you can kind of unpack it, and it turns out there's a lot that goes into reading the wind so I, hopefully you can help me navigate through this and answer a bunch of the questions here. But um, the first question I have in, in regard to that is, uh, is it better to hunt when there's wind or no wind? Which, again, sounds obvious, but uh, you tell me. Sure, sure. You know, and I'll, I'll preface this that I think, you know, one, to have a successful hunt, I think obviously you got to be hunting where the deer are. And if you're after a good deer, where, you know, good deer are. Um, and then I would say, you know, the next key to success is getting in and out. And then I think what ties right in with that is, is the wind and learning how to use it and how it can hurt you, how it can help you. Um, it's definitely friend or foe. Um, and getting into your, your question, no, no wind or a lot of wind. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about that earlier today and, to be honest, just about every single buck I have on my wall is calm on those pretty calm days after um, a big front. It's been those clear, calm days. Not totally calm, but pretty calm days. Now, if I had to pick a second one, I would go from the other extreme. You know, a really, really big wind. Um, I've had some tremendous hunts in there, and the only thing that's kept a couple of bucks from being on the wall is a limb. Um, so no wind or wind, I guess, you know, it, it kind of depends. I, I would say probably if I, if I had to choose, I'd pick no wind, but then other than that, I would probably want a really high wind, especially if it's cold, you know, if it's really warm and you've got a high wind, well, then, then I'm kind of thinking, well, is this really going to be a set that I, I want to, possibly, you know, take a chance on spooking on that buck. Um, maybe I'll do something else. I won't hunt uh, a certain stand, but maybe I'll go find a cornfield and I'll, you know, do a little spot and stock with a cornfield somewhere where I, I feel like I can take a bigger risk if I bump a deer. Um, so I know that's kind of a long-winded answer that, you know, I, I kind of like both, but based on my experiences, those, those nice, uh, clear, calm days after a, a front move through has been really kind to me. That's good to know. That's good to know. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, to be honest. Um, if I had to make up my own answer, I'd say a consistent win would probably be pretty nice because I know it gets pretty shifty, you know, and, uh, you, you know, but sometimes the, the shift, you know, if, if you're in a spot, you know, that it's wrong right away, if you can, you know, sometimes guys will go into the stand and they'll go in too, too early, but maybe that shift has that buck betting right where you want them to be. But the way the wind's going, you can't get in, you know, and guys will make mistake. Well, I'm going to hunt that spot anyways. And he picks you off as you go in and you never see him. But if you know, based on that wind, there's a good chance he's going to be betting there, but you, there's going to be a shift or, Maybe, you know, it's going to get 
really cold just before dark, and it's going to start dropping, and he's going to be up on his feet. If you can wait and get in that stand undetected while the net shift is going to help you out. That's a good thought too. This is this is the whole purpose of this podcast is to flesh some of these topics out because the the, the things we cover on the show, by and large, it's stuff that it's just not top of mind. So this is this is gold, man. I'm telling you, I appreciate you coming on. I'm just gonna say yeah. that right now, um, you know. And and so like there, yeah, there wouldn't be the follow up to that is uh, what's the ideal wind speed? There probably isn't one. Um, obviously, and, and we kind of talked about that a little bit. Whether it's a, a a very windy day versus not a very windy day. Um, you know, I will say there's definitely a correlation, you know, the movements when it's calm after a big front, you know, and obviously colder, the better. And the same thing with a high wind, if it's cold and you've got a high wind, especially if you're in the late October, November, those bucks are going to be on their feet anyways. Um, and you're definitely going to have the advantage going in and out because they're not going to hear you, you know, Right. Uh, you're obviously not going to grunt to rattle them in, but uh, you're gonna you'll see them cruising. And some of the biggest bucks I've seen during the day on their feet have been on those super high wind days. Um, I remember an Iowa hunt, and it was blowing 40, 45 miles an hour, and it did it for 40 straight. And in those four days, I saw 12 bucks over 140 inches. Big From, that's a lot too yeah yeah so i mean you just you know that's not a time to be sitting on the couch for sure <laughs> yeah well that's a good thing to pay attention to is we as we because like right now it's uh october 14th and we're it seems like usually right around halloween time is when the rut's kind of like getting into full swing so it's a pretty good idea to start paying attention to the weather and fronts and things like that if that's what we're talking about you know Keep your yep. eye on your on your weather channel or weather app or whatever you have. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I look at it on my cell phone probably about every half hour, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at that extended forecast. I'm like, what is it going to do three days from now? Because yep. I'm trying to think of one of maybe four or five different spots I'm going to go based on on what it's like, and I'll look at the wind speed, and you know, just because I know what the spot is like. You know, I'll I'll be thinking about okay, if it's going to be like this, I really want to sit there. This box has been active in here. How can I get in here with that wind? You know, I'll just you know, it's just like a rolodex going on in my mind. It just it just never never stops. But you know, that's kind of what it takes to get into the right spot, rather than you know thinking you're just going to get you know pigeonholed into one or two spots and just hope that wind is right and you know, you could you could you could make your season or break your season um, by what you do with, at that time. So, um, you know, I, I really pay attention to it. The overarching thing that that gets me a lot. So, knowing you know, is there wind and and or you know what direction is it blowing? How what's the wind speed? You take that all into consideration, and great, that's one piece of a bigger puzzle. Uh, the thing I struggle with being a public land hunter, I'll hunt different I've, I've hunted four times this season and i have not hunted the same spot twice yet this season alone um some of that's a little bit of exploration some of it's going to public land i've hunted in years past so in some instances i know the land um better than others but in the case where i don't 
and I want to understand what the wind's doing, some of that is, uh, it's, it almost seems pointless to the tune of, if I don't know where the deer are, I'm kind of like going in blind, really. I mean, actually, that's exactly what's happening. I'm going in blind. Sure. So yeah. knowing knowing the wind direction is usually most relevant or only relevant when you know where the beds are or where the deer are going to be or, or something to that. I mean, you obviously don't know where they are. Otherwise, you, 100% yeah, otherwise I, you just go in and, you know, oh, there's the deer's right there. I'll go kill it right now. That's not how it works. But you have to have a general idea at least, right? Sure, exactly. And, you know, when I go into have a newer public land area, you know, you know, ideally I've scouted it some, but a lot of the spots I've hunted, it's been learn as I go. Um, you know, and sometimes public land hunting, uh, a little technical difficulty, but welcome back. Okay. Thank you. Well, yeah, as, as I was saying, um, yeah, when I go into public land, I just, you know, I'm not afraid of failing. Um, Sometimes I'll look at a public land piece and think it might be a two or three year project. So occasionally I may, and I like to push it too, where I set, I mean, I want to get as close to these bucks as I can and get away from the pressure, you know, and sometimes I'll do that and I might bump a deer, but when I do that, you know, I'll pay attention. What's, what is the wind doing? Where did the deer go based on that wind? And maybe, maybe I did fail that day, but, but gosh, I'll learn a lot that I can come back the next time. And, you know, chances are, you know, I'm going to have a much more successful hunt that time. You know, sometimes you can be, I think if you, if you look at all the stats of what the, the wind and the weather is doing, sometimes you can get a little too timid going in. Um, yeah. and I don't, I don't like to just traipse everywhere, but all of this specific spot I want to go, <clears throat> but, uh, kind of what I do to just to hedge my bet, you know, if I got a spot, I'll look on a map. I'm like, I think this is where I want to go. As I'm walking, I'll, I'll take the, you know, dried up milkweed pods. And as I, as I go along, I'm going to just let them go out. And if it looks like I'm going to get busted, well, then it's, it's time for, you know, plan B. And there's been times where I go out and I have total intentions in sitting in one spot. And then I'll get 40 yards into the woods and I'm like, no, this just, isn't working right because I haven't experienced that time of year with that amount of foliage on the trees and what those air currents are doing. They're doing something totally different than what I did, maybe than what I thought. Because maybe maybe it's early and there's I was there in the spring and there wasn't much for leaves, so the sun was hitting the ground, so it made those air currents do something different than when it was cool and shaded. Um, that's just examples like that where I've done something had you know, make an adjustment on public land. Um, but otherwise what I kind of try to do is, you know, if you get enough experience in a lot of what I hunt is soap country. Mm -hmm. So it makes things a little bit trickier, but what I try to do is find train pattern features that I've experienced in the past. And based on the past with this type of slope and this type of wind speed, this is kind of what I had before. And I think I all experience that again on this piece. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And the times it doesn't, um, I just learned from it and I prepared for the next hunt based on that. 
Well, the, the way you said a, a moment ago about, you know, if I'm walking in the woods and I, and I kick up a deer or whatever, um, you know, that thing, as that thing's trancing off with the, the mighty white flag, which we all hate to see, instead of just going, oh, crap, there it goes, stop and think, okay, well, I know I'm going this way, the wind's going that way, and that thing's going this direction, and then back up and, in your mind and think about what's actually happening there and look at the bigger picture. That's a really cool thought because I've done that and I've never really just stopped in that moment and thought about it. I've always just been like, ah, oh, crap, <laughs> you know, there, there goes my chance today as opposed to thinking, well, why was it going that way? What direction was the wind blowing? That's a pretty big consideration. Yeah. yeah and depending on how bad you, you busted the deer out and you know, I've had it, I had one hunt last year that was exactly like that. I was on a really big deer and I thought I had the perfect wind and I, I kind of did, except for he was betting in the wrong spot. I guess it might have been the right spot, but it was the wrong spot for where I was walking in. And I blew him right out, and I, I blew it bad. So, you know, I wasn't going to get on that buck again. So I said, heck with it. I, I can that hunt. Um, but what I did instead is I took that spot. And I learned everything I could about that deer and why he was there and where he might be going without, you know, trying to, you know, I won't keep following him. I think sometimes people do that too and see a big buck and then be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to follow him. I can, I can reset up on him and, you know, that, (laughs) that's pretty tough to do. Um, so if I get in a spot, it's like, if he was there, he was there right then for a reason. And it's like, why was that? Yeah, because I mean, really, that buck—if he's big, he didn't—he didn't grow that big because he's stupid per se. I mean, um, I'm not going to give deer too much credit here, but you know, at the end of the day, what's to say another big buck has the same senses that that one did? It'll probably choose a similar spot, if not the same exact one, because there's obviously an advantage to be in that spot, bedding down in that area that we're not aware of that the animals are. And if one buck's going to do it. What's to say another one isn't going to do the same thing in another year or two years or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, um, matter of fact, um, now this was a public land. This was uh, a private farm I had, but it was a perfect example where, um, in one year I thought I had the perfect tree. I had a couple bucks come by that it wasn't the one I wanted, but I thought it was perfect. But then lo and behold, any buck I wanted was, just on the other side of this big oak tree. It was about 30 yards up. And darn, I just I just didn't feel like I could move there, and it would just take too much trim, and I thought that year to move. So I just, you know, cataloged that in my mind, and then I moved that next year, and, you know, I shot a really nice buck that next year. I mean, just based on that, on that move. So it's like, it might not happen that year. It might be the next year, but... Um, that intel is definitely valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a cool thing when it, it sucks when it happens in, in the middle of hunting season, when you're hoping to get that guy, it's a lot cooler when you, when that kind of stuff happens in the off season in spring when you're scouting. Um, cause then you get really jacked up about the next, <laughs> the next season. So, you know, but it, nonetheless, yeah. it's a learning experience. Like you had mentioned, it's, it's something you have to take and learn and you have to keep going. And you have, what would you say? It was like 20, 25 years of hunting experience. Yeah, it's 20, 28 now. 28, all right, all right, sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, but that's, 
28 years of hunting experience my gosh man i mean there's a reason that you're that you're talking right now because it's a lot of value in what you have to say i, I don't have that much experience you know I'm yeah and I, from other I, people's I, mistakes I, and things like that yeah and i've made a lot of mistakes so i i think um my first three or four years i hunted i loved being on the ground so all i did was walk over the country everywhere I busted so many deer out, it wasn't even funny. But doing so, I making all those mistakes, I, I learned a ton. And looking back on it now, it's like I, I shake my head at some of the things I did and be like, boy, man, I could have laid down a couple nice bucks that I'd come close to and I just, just walking the wrong way or not using the, the thermal advantage. Um, Gosh, it would have made such a difference back then, but hindsight's you know, twenty twenty, man. That's all. Yeah, goes. and with, without doing some of that and seeing the result, it's it, it's really hard. To, you know, you can be told one thing, but until you kind of experience it, you know, sometimes it doesn't sink in. Yeah, yeah. If I would listen to my parents throughout my youth, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got to experience it for yourself to really take it in and, and actually genuinely learn what it is you need to do differently next time. Um, but you said something interesting in there, understanding the thermals. Let's unpack that for a minute or two here. What are thermals and, and how do you deal with them or read them or understand them? What are, how can you hunt sure. better sure. as well, a result of understanding you know, that? Uh, in the most basic sense, I guess, if you put it in layman's terms, it's just the up or down rise, you know, the air currents, you know, just based on the, the, the cooling and on uh, the heating up of the air. Uh, of course, it's usually from the, the sun coming up in the day and then going down in the evening. Um, and, you know, I, it's really helped, it, you know, it's, it's definitely helped me in the, at least my last two buck kills, you know, for sure. Cause I was set up that if it, if it wouldn't have been helping me, it, it just wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, I love it when you got, when you, a buck thinks he's safe and he comes out of his bed and he can get his trail where he thinks he's getting your scent from anything along that field, but you're in that stand and what you would think is the wrong wind blowing straight to that trail. But just before it gets to that trail, you get that nice updraft and he can't get you. That's just that's just money in the bank, and yeah, it's a pretty cool um, feeling. Then my buck I shot last year. If, if I didn't have uh, that draft coming up, because he I rattled and he came around me, and if I went ahead a draft going up, I'm pretty sure he would have nailed me. Um, and even the my previous buck, if I didn't have a draft going up behind me, uh, the my scent would have went right right to him and I would have been dead meat but since I had that nice updraft going there was no way for him to smell me that's cool is it is it do you in your experience um do you think it's more active like thermals are more active um in the morning or the nighttime I know it's it kind of varies but it's is it always an updraft that's happening or it's well you know I've I've had good luck on on downdrafts um you know, it, you know, I don't want to pretend that, and I think there's people out there that are going to pretend they know 
too much about the wind and do you want to generalize too much? But mm. in my experience, so much of what you see is is stand-to-stand stand specific. There's some things yeah. and kind of rules you can apply, but I've had spots where, yeah, you you want to, in the afternoon, you're not going to get that much of an updraft. Like, you think you might. If you look at the aerial, you think, oh, this is going to give me a good updraft. But the updraft isn't really much of an updraft. It might be blowing a little bit more sideways at some point along the deer trail, they're going to get you. But if you wait just a little while later, you're going to get this awesome downdraft where, okay, I don't want to be above the deer, maybe be below the deer at this time. And he's going to still come right by thinking he's still going to get that scent off the field or something, for example, and he's never going to be able to catch it. Um, I've been successful that way too. Um, you know, that's just w- one thing too is sometimes you've got to plan your hunts hour by hour and it's, it's not beyond me or some of the other guys on our next buck staff that we may hunt one, one spot for a couple hours in the morning and by mid morning we're up in a different stand or afternoon we're in one stand and by the time we come out at night we're in a different stand yeah that says a lot about Um, what you know you know it's some people are are, i have i'm getting much better at it but some people including myself some spot i'm like deathly afraid of moving because i'm like well if i move then maybe i didn't maybe i wouldn't have gotten him or maybe i I, that kind of crap i know i i get like that still too where i'm debating my head i'm like should i should i move should i move should i not move but if I don't move and this deer gets by me, you know, the jig's Over up. anyways, yeah. So might as well move so you have a better advantage when something does come by. And if you, th- you think about it, you can get away, especially if you pre-scout this other tree you need to be in. You can get away with pretty quick. And if you're good, you know, with your whatever stand you got. Mm-hmm. If you practice with it and you're good, you can get up, set up much faster than what you probably think you can in your head. By the time you debate whether you should move or not, you could have already, already moved. moved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the whole the whole topic of wind is just a big um, a test or yeah, a big tribute to how ridiculously good deer are, are at smelling things. <laughs> so it's a it's a great help to understand some of the, the behavior of the wind and how it can impact your hunt just based on the fact that these animals that's their that's their go-to um thing is, is just smelling that's their go- that's that's it they rely on it more than any other sense for for sure i mean if, if the deer could smell i don't think there'd be too many deer out in the woods um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point and the fact that they do i mean deer use the wind to their advantage to the fullest degree like you know if if you're trying to call one in and you're playing the wind correctly. It's going to try to walk. It's going to try to go around you to get to scent you first before it wants to come check you out with a visual. It'll, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how, how much they rely on that. So it's a pretty cool topic. I really appreciate you kind of going over some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not rocket science, but you definitely got to put some thought into it just because there's so many variables 
into what can change it into how spot specific it can be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you just think about it, you know, just like picture water flowing through this, the terrain, you know, how would water flow through here? Um, and if there was a really fast current, um, if you're even thinking about if you fish a lot, relates that if there was a really fast current here, where would the fish be staged up? Or, you know, just if you think about that, or if you're just out there just yourself and be like, oh, if I just wanted to get out of one, where 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 would I be? Yeah. And then you might be able to pick out the just on that if you kind of know how the wind's going to play through. Well, can I can I get around them? Can I use the thermals? Um, you know, when they're you know, falling or rising, um, will the stand work? Will not only your stand setup work, can you get in and out yep. with those thermals? Um, you know, a lot of times if you're, if you're, if you are hunting high and the deer are coming around and then all the top down and, you know, if there's, if there are still deer below you, um, and you got to get through. Well, you're you're kind of in trouble getting out. Um, you know, let's say you were you're hunting low, and you're you're heading heading high. Well, hopefully, you know it's not in the thing you're blown right back up to where they're bedding now. So I mean, that's just you know, a stand to them a bit where it's been really low and it's a big valley and I'll wait till that updraft is really blowing straight up before I can think about well then and if I get halfway up here mm-hmm. if, if that draft isn't totally taking me up well they're going to bust me when I come out yeah it's a, it's a lot to yeah, like you said it's not rocket science but it's something to be conscious of but you actually do have to think about it if you're trying to take hunting seriously if you're actually after, you know, the bigger, smarter ones out there, or you really, really need that meat in your freezer, these are the things you ought to be thinking about. Yeah, and I, you know, and a lot of it too is not, it's not always the deer you're after. It's the deer that comes before the deer you're after. You know, when you got big old mama doe, I mean, that's your hardest deer in the woods to fool. And <laughs> you're right. You know, if you if you play that wrong, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is going to know that you you screwed up. Um, so, I mean, that's my first thought: is how do, how you know are these thermals going to be? How is that wind direction going to be? Is there going to be deflection? Is how do I get around these this first batch of deer? Yep. Well, that happened to me. Gosh, a few years ago. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was uh, I was hunting. There's a small little, I don't know swamp or pond or whatever you want to call it in the woods and um i was hunting on a ridge not not at the not below it or not above it or on the top of the crest of it i was actually on the ridge itself based on where some of the the deer trails were and based on the wind direction where i set myself up i know initially when i got out there so when you're talking hour by hour that's a that's a pretty awesome thing to think about because i know for certain when i got out there the wind was blowing a certain way now as it got later into the evening and the sun's you know starting to set and it's prime time this doe and, and her fawn came walking through from kind of behind me. And so I know there's no, there's absolutely no chance she had seen me zero and where the wind was blowing, there should have been no chance that she smelled me. But 
I tell you, man, this thing stood there, stomped and, and snorted for, you know, a good minute and then, you know, bolted off. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. What what the hell happened here? Nothing. What the heck? And I, I guarantee you it was because, you know, the wind died down and the thermals were, were doing something wacky that probably got me caught. So. Yeah. And that that's your one, that is your one, you know, tricky part when you don't have much wind is, you know, the thermals are going to be there. And sometimes if you got wind, and you got thermals going down, it can be great where it's going to pull it away. But then that is the one when I, you know, I just get so leery on it. It's awesome to late and fall when the leaves are crunchy and you can hear everything. Mm-hmm. But you, if you get that dead, dead scent pool, I mean, you're just making surf fan wider and wider where they can pick up your scent. I mean, if you just think sometimes even like how a campfire is, yeah, you know, you just get dead wind, you know, that small could kind of, you know, a bigger and bigger area. It's kind of billows but, up, yeah. Oh, and then you can see it's going to go away. Um, so, yeah, that gets tough. I mean, people get busted a lot on those days. I mean, I certainly do. It is what it is. It's a learning thing, you know, now I got to stop and think about it. This is, it's been a good topic. I, again, thank you, man, for, for coming. Yeah, on. you're welcome. And uh, hopefully you have a lot of luck this season as, as we get kind of closer and closer to the rut, uh, depending on where you're at in the state, you know, hopefully you have some activity you can, can take advantage of soon. Yeah, I've definitely noticed the deer activity uh, pick up this last week and, uh, you know, it should be should be exciting. Although I I got just one deer I'm after this season, but uh, at least in the meantime, I got I, both my kids hunt. So whether I take them out or hear their stories, it uh, kind of makes it more exciting for me to hear what's up with them than yeah. what I got going on. Yeah, that's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing. Well, so are we going to see you on on uh, when's the next DVD being? release for for you guys over at next buck am i, am I going to see you on it and some great kills we just we got a little bit of post-production to to finish up with it and um you know i'm i'm really hoping it'll be out this uh this next season um you know when you get guys from anywhere from georgia to ohio to michigan wisconsin Idaho, um, you know, you got a wide range of guys out there. And since, since well, just truly your average guy getting scheduled together to get this content is, you know, we're not, we're not to, uh, to pay off our mortgages. It's yeah, just because no, we really so like to share it. this. Mm-hmm. So compiling all this is stupid wind, stupid cell phones. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, no, that's that's a tough thing overall to to get that many people ra- rallied together. Post production's a nightmare. There's probably a ton of footage you guys have to comb through to get the good stuff. But um, yeah, it's yeah. Well, I'm really I'm really hoping it'll be out uh, this next year to share with everybody because it's uh, you know it's our labor of love and um, it's just something we like to to pass on to everybody else and to show everybody what's worked for us to. So someone can, you know, take on what someone's given to us and hopefully, you know, put a few more bucks on the wall. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we'll, um, we'll go ahead and 
end this segment and want to say thanks again for being on the show. Hopefully we'll, we'll see you on, on the big screen in our living room soon, you know? Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. And I, um, just to let everybody know too, it'll be, it's going to be focused on small parcels too. Okay, good. Um, everything we do has been kind of theme based and that's kind of the theme on this one is really these, these smaller parcels. Yeah, deer don't need a whole lot of room to for a place to call it home. It's kind of a good, I like that. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I'll, I'll be very happy to watch it when it comes out, and we'll share it with our with our audience here. We get a good we get a good following, so it'll be nice. All right, super. Cool. Have a good night. All right, you too. Looking for a spot to hunt? Download the free Where to Hunt app for your smartphone today. Avoid hunters, see less people, see more deer. With the Where to Hunt app, you will know where other hunters are before you see them. Just search Where to Hunt from the App Store to download today. All right. Hopefully you like that interview. A lot of good information there. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Cell phone coverage gets spotty sometimes. Tip of the week. That's what you're listening to right now. Tip of the week is um, scent protection, scent cover, only because, you know, we just talked about all that wind stuff. Um, I'm not talking about the typical scent kind of things here. It's more of a DIY, which is what I try to go for with these tips of the week. Um, this week, I was thinking about, you know, where I go hunting. Um, I, I personally really like pines. I don't know. I'm just drawn to them. So I use a lot of pine pine boughs or pine branches. Just in, in my area, I use them, I grab them, I rub my hands on them, I kind of try to get that scent on me and I put them around my area to help just mask the human scent that, that I have, any stench that I have from, from hiking out into the woods. Um, and then so kind of seeing if other people do that, looking around and having some conversation following last week's tip, talking to the hunters, um, turns out there's a lot of people that do their own um, scent cover that they'll actually make it. They'll actually go out into the woods, get um, whatever vegetation that is in the area they primarily hunt, and uh, they'll boil it in either water and or sometimes alcohol, like uh, vodka or rubbing alcohol. And there's two different ways to do it, but nonetheless, they'll take that, um, let it ferment for a while, and then use the liquid leftover as as their scent blocker, which... I never really, I never really thought about that. So here we are. We're talking about it. One person that I found online has a full-on list of ingredients. Like you're gonna go cook some food. Uh, says I'll read. I'll just read off here. So like it says, go into a wooded area containing pine trees. So this is someone specifically that deals in, in that hunting a pine area. This wouldn't be recommended if there's no pines where you're hunting. That's silly because then you'll stand out like a sore thumb probably. But um, they get a large, large bucket, two to three gallons, large pot with a lid, um, a cooking stove, large spoon, colander, medium to large container, funnel, and a spray bottle. And they literally take the twigs and the, and the pine needles and boil it in water um, bring, or bring it to a boil. And then they let it simmer for 30, at least 30 minutes. You can, the longer, the better, I presume. And then they strain out the, the pine chunks and sticks and things like that and put the the liquid into a spray bottle and that's it the, another one i found they they said they use alcohol rubbing alcohol or vodka and the reason they said they do that is because when you spray it the alcohol will uh, quickly evaporate so leaving leaving the scent that you want on your clothes which initially reading them like why the hell would you use alcohol 
alcohol obviously has a distinct scent. So um, very, very interesting thing. Anywhere from, you know, just getting pine boughs that you put around your area to making your own scent proof kind of thing all the way to, um, you know, obviously getting whatever vegetation is in the area and uh, the, the, the alcohol ingredient or recipe says um, that they let it sit for, for much, much longer. I think well, I'm trying to find it in the article here. Sorry. It was like days, plant, like 20 days or something like that. The longer, the better. And then they also mentioned you can um, saturate them in cotton balls and carry that as your, as your scent proof as well. Um, so kind of a neat thing. Kind of a neat thing. Let us know or, or, you know, write in if it's something that you've ever done, if you have any tips that you can elaborate on, on how to do that, or if you've done it with success, or if you think it works, or how that compares to the store-bought stuff. Um, furthermore, in, in kind of going down this path and reading a little bit more, a lot of um, people are saying too, like, you know, a lot of guys or a lot of hunters will spray themselves down before they go into the woods with their scent blocker, scent proof stuff, whatever brand you subscribe to, whatever kind or scent to you, whether it's eliminator or a cover up, whatever it might be. Um, some people say that they, they bring it in the woods with them as well and um, pay close attention to your hat and your hair because it's where you do a lot of the sweating. So, and they spray themselves down again once they get to their tree or their spot or whatever it might be. Again, something else to consider. So, uh, if you have any anything you'd like to add to that, uh, you can always. You can always write us at our at our email address, um, which is where the number two, the word hunt, wi at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash where to hunt Wisconsin. You can reach us at Twitter, which is at w, the number two, the word hunt. Would appreciate any sort of feedback in regard to that. Uh, you know, let us know. This week's segment about uh, hunter incident reports. I tell you, man, some of these some of these uh, stories are pretty ridiculous. Um, I seem to find a lot of them that have to do with the, uh, you know, being certain of your target and and beyond. In this case, the person or the hunter was certain their target was a deer. They weren't so certain after the fact <laughs> turns out the deer wasn't alive the deer they were shooting wasn't alive and as a result they actually shot another hunter um man hunting let's see here injured a second shooter after firing at a dead deer being hauled out of a wooded area what the hell what the hell uh this the second hunter had killed a deer and was using a cart to remove it from the from the property um, this is in New York, by the way, and uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick up in the right spot here. The first hunter saw the deer moving, thought it was alive, fired and struck the first hunter in the hand and the buttocks. Come on, you, you saw a deer moving, and and I don't know. I know how a deer moves through the woods, and, and it doesn't just lay and, and kind of skirt across the land. And how do you not see someone dragging it? 
This, this stuff just blows my mind. It blows my mind. You shot a dead deer and he injured someone because he saw brown and he thought you're gonna you're gonna take it down. There's gotta be there's gotta be more thought out there where you, when you're in the woods. Um, hopefully none of the listeners have had any crazy experiences like that. If you have actually, um, again I'm gonna have another call to action here. Write us, send us an email. Uh, you know, let let us know if you've encountered anything that will share your story. Hopefully everything's okay. You didn't get hurt, uh, you know, fatally or in a really bad way. But really like to hear some of your hunting experiences and and funny ones too. If there's just a funny story you have um, that you're dining off your chest share we'd love to hear it we'd love to share with the rest of the audience thanks for listening have a great day and um as always hunt public land i am a hunter and i am safe i love to hunt in the united states